Hi everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Tapis Rouge. I'm your host, Guillaume Cauchois, and I hope that you guys are having fantastic end-of-the-year celebrations. I'm really stoked about today's guest, Sidney Iking Bateman. Sidney and I go way back. He's been an incredible acrobat in Cirque du Soleil's Lusia, and a couple of years ago had a career transition as a pro wrestler at the WWE under the alias Reggie. On a little side note, we recorded this episode just before Sydney revealed his latest wrestler character, Scripts. This is why you'll see Scripts on the episode cover, but hear him still talking about his character, Reggie. Sydney is a true inspiration of mine, and you're just about to find out why. So here he is, Sydney Bateman, aka Scripts. Sydney, welcome to Tapis Rouge. Tapis Rouge. <laughs> How you doing, brother? I'm pretty good, man. Yourself? Yes, pretty good. Pretty good. Good to see you after all these years, man. Yeah, it's so great. I'm so stoked to have you on the show because we know each other from way back in the Circus School day and then the Cirque du Soleil day, but you accomplished so much all over the year. So could you take us and tell the listeners about where you come from and how did you start your artist and performer's journey? So I'm Sydney A. I. King Bateman, a.k.a. Reggie. Uh, I've started, I started circus at the age of 11 in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, just an after school program. It was something that I did after school that kept me out of trouble. Uh, I come from a family of eight. Okay. I have three brothers and four sisters. Uh, very poor, bad neighborhood in St. Louis, lots of gangs, violence, drugs, and just crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And circus for me was just this outlet. It was an outlet to showcase me and what I love to do. But it's also it was just an escape, an escape from all of the poverty, the drugs, the gangs and crazy stuff from my neighborhood. And at the age of 11, you know, I found this new meaning through life new meaning of life through this thing called circus that mm -hmm. i never knew anything about it was pretty cool yeah and what was it something in your neighborhood like the circus training there and like how did you get in contact with it did you see a show or like did you just walk by like how did you first so it was downtown st louis and i had actually never been downtown st louis before because no one in my family had a car and we didn't really travel outside the two or three blocks from our neighborhood, from our house, because it was just rival gangs and whatnot. But when I was in the third or fourth grade, I believe, I did this program called Discovering Options. It was a program that, uh, it was for high-risk children. And I did this 10-week program. And at the end of the 10 weeks, every student that attended, they were paired with a mentor. And the mentor was told to spend one hour a week with these students for 10 weeks. And I had an older white woman named Diane and I was so shy around her because I never see any other person of any other race in my neighborhood. It was just me and everyone in my neighborhood were just black guys or black women and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so I met her and she was asking me all these questions. What do I like to do? What I want to be when I grow up? And I really couldn't answer, but she said, what are some, what is something you love? And I told her backflips. I uh -huh. said, I love to do backflips. And so she took me to the gym and 
she would watch me do backflips in the gymnasium. And one day she just, it was, it was like the summer, she took me to see this circus called Circus Flora. Mm-hmm. She didn't tell me really what I was going to see. She said, we're going to go to a show. I said, okay, cool. In my eyes, a show can mean anything. It can mean a movie. It can mean a play or whatever. I just never thought it would be a circus. So we actually walked into the circus and we were sitting there and I just had this weird look on my face like, oh, where, what a, where am I at? <laughs> and I saw horses, traditional circus. I saw horses, clowns, trapeze artists. And I looked at her and I said, hey, can we leave? She said, are you sure? I said, yes, this is very uncomfortable for me. And she goes, if you want to leave, we can leave. And so we left. And like, as I'm leaving the tent, um, I see these group of kids come out. And those were the St. Louis Arches. They came out. I just saw them from the, out of my peripheral. And I didn't think anything of it. My mentor took me there so that I could meet the circus coach, circus lady, uh, the St. Louis Arches. And me walking out was basically the first failed attempt of me meeting her to become a St. Louis Arch. Mm-hmm. And then six months down the road, she took me to the city museum. That's where the arches perform and train. And I saw these mats just lying in the middle of the ring. And so I ran into the ring and started flipping on them. And then this coach came out and said, Hey, hey, you can't flip here unless you're a student. I said, well, how do I become a student? Because all I want to do is flip. And he gave me these papers and I signed up and did like a 10 week patchwork circus class. And we trained for like eight weeks. And then a ninth week we, put together the uh, show and I did my act the 10th week. And then the circus woman came to me and said, Hey, you're really good. I want to invite you to be a part of our level three advanced circus troupe, the St. Louis Arches. I said, what's the St. Louis Arches? She said, it's our level three uh, acrobatic group and you will get paid. I'm like, what? I can get paid for doing something I actually love (laughs) flipping. And that was the beginning of my circus career. No, that's crazy. And yeah. what did what did your family think about about that? So my family were supportive for the most part. You know, it was something new to me. It was something new for my family. It was something new for people in my neighborhood. Like my first reaction of circus was, this is stupid, a freak show. And I walked out. Mm-hmm. So it took some time for people in my neighborhood and my family to really grasp the fact that I was doing circus. I was called freak. I was called clown monkey, all of these different Mm -hmm. things because we pick on each other so much. And so like they were supportive and didn't like say anything too crazy, but I was always being picked on. And my family was one thing, but the people in the neighborhood, I had to, had to hide it. I couldn't be Sydney I King circus artist. I had to be Sydney I King, the younger brother of two gang members in the neighborhood because Mm -hmm if you have any sort of um, difference, mm-hmm. difference and things that are new, it is yeah. viewed as stupid, as funny. It's an easy target to be picked on. Mm-hmm. So I lived two different lives for a long time. Oh, that's crazy. So no, so your family knew, but it was kind of a secret. No one was really talking about it. I didn't really talk about it at home. I would come in from practice and basically they wouldn't tell me how, how was, how was circus today? We didn't have conversations like that. Mm. It was just, I did circus. I came home, took a shower, go on by my day and whatnot. Mm. And how did that parallel life grew over the years? When was the moment when you were like, okay, I can't like, this is becoming like a more serious aspect of my life. Like, so it was a few times. It was always, I always realized circus was more than just 
an after school program for me when things very traumatic happened in my life. So it was a constant battle to, okay, I want to play high school sports. I want to play football. I want to play baseball. I want to basketball, run track, all these different things, but I couldn't do those things while doing circus because it consumed so much of my time. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it would be times where I would quit circus to play basketball, but then the basketball season would be over. Okay. Now I'm getting into trouble with the gangs again. So I'm like, Oh, let me go back to circus to basically put my life back in order because mm-hmm. whenever I left circus, my life was in all sorts of unbalanced. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was off and on until my, my junior year of high school, 11th grade, um, I got into a gang fight. I was to a gang fight at school, got expelled. And I was like thrown in prison for like a half a week or whatever, like four, three or four days. I was just in like the, a cell. And I was just like, man, this is, this is too much. Like, I, I don't want this to be my life. And I'm like, this is, <clears throat> this is rock bottom for me. There's nowhere else I can go. That's lower than where I am right now. And then I was there. I was like, let me get my life back together. But then when I got out, maybe a few weeks later that summer, um, a close friend of mine was killed. He was killed by, um, I think he was set up by a woman or whatnot. And that was the guy that was in a fight with me at school. So he was one of my close friends from my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So when he was shot and killed, it sent me just down, down deep to a place that was so dark that I said, you know what? This is probably what my life was supposed to be all along. It was not destined for me to go into circus and do all of these amazing things. It was, I'm supposed to be the younger brother of two gang members. I'm supposed to follow in those footsteps and sell drugs, get arrested, all of those different stereotypes that are put on us. And I just felt like this was the outcome. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bless. And then one day I'm just sitting in a room, like not knowing what to do. And then Jessica, the circus lady calls me and goes, Hey, our last show was circus Flora. It is, um, it's today you should come. And that time I was like, not really talking to people in circus harmony mm-hmm. uh, prior to all of that fighting and whatnot. I had met Melvin and T-Rock. Yeah. So they were there. So they were there in the arches and then they convinced me to come down as well. So I went downtown and I was like sitting in the audience <clears throat> and it was the first time I was sitting and watching the arches. And just to give our, our listener a bit of background, Melvin and T-Rock were also friend of ours from circus school. And they are also artists on Lusia at the moment. Yes. Melvin and I trained together for <clears throat> from 2011 until 2019. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then when we started my circus career in Montreal and we, he's still performing and I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so they convinced me to come to Circus Flora. And it was the first time I was watching the show from the audience since, you know, I started circus when I walked out and everything was just dark. The crowd was going crazy, but everything was just silent for me. And I was watching those guys in the ring, mm-hmm. all of the joy they were having. And I'm just like, man, I'm supposed to be there. So Melvin, T-Rock, they convinced me to get back into circus after my friend, I got shot and killed. Mm-hmm. And it was that moment when I said, I'm going to do things for myself and not for anyone else. Yeah. And do you think you had the passion for circus or it was because it was such a great escape from your reality. Both. Both. Uh, I had a, I had a passion for a circus uh, at a young age because it was the only thing that allowed me to be 
a kid in the beginning. Mm. You know, I was a kid and I really had to grow up fast living in my neighborhood where I was from. And when I was with circus, you know, I was able to be goofy. I was able to be free and be a kid and just do something that I love without mm. having to think, Oh, this person thinks that's stupid. This person thinks that's dumb. Uh, I'm doing it to please this person. It was the first thing in my life that I did to please myself. Mm-hmm. And that passion carried on throughout my entire circus career. And I remember, I remember at a, uh, what age was I? 13 when I saw Cirque du Soleil for the first time, came to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. It was, um, what show? Kidam. Yeah. And so funny because Jerome Lebeau, was yeah. in that show performing hand to hand. Oh yeah. And the, the show was just incredible. Incredible. So I said, that's what I want to do. Mm. And not even knowing that I would be there one day, but it was so many bumps along the ride. And then it didn't hit me until I got to circuit school in Montreal where, you know, hoop diving class was right next to hand to hand class that Jerome yeah. was teaching and whatnot. So yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was a great way to escape for sure, but it was also a lot to do with passion. What you're saying, like you saw the Kidam the first time and that's what the, a click moment, you said, oh, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And from this point, how did you, how do you go from being in St. Louis, making the decision of becoming a professional circus artist all the way to your first day working on Lusia in Cirque du Soleil? So... Like I said, it was so many things that happened in my life. You know, as a kid, you never know what you want to do. And you find something and you hold on to it. And I found circus, even though I wanted to play basketball, football. I just knew that the chances of football and basketball happening were very, very slim. Mm -hmm. But circus, I was really good at. And circus was also something very different that no one in my neighborhood, no one in my school has ever even heard of. So I'm like, you know, I'm not fighting thousands of people to get one spot. I have this spot. Let's see how far I can take it. Yeah. But no matter how, how strong that passion was, you know, life still gets in the way. I still have to go to that neighborhood and live in, in uh, that, that neighborhood. I have to go and be around those people and whatnot. And so that was, I was here in circus, but then the neighborhood and the people just kept pulling me further and further and further mm-hmm. back until a friend of mine was shot and killed. And I said, I just cannot do this anymore. I have to take control of my life and I have to do what's best for me. And when I did that, things got, things got a lot easier. I graduated high school and I trained for one year. I graduated in 2010. And uh, because of the gang fight, I wasn't able to attend the tryout in Montreal because I had lost credits or something. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't see my... Uh, I, I didn't have my high school diploma uh, and like the credits were lost and all of these different things. But I ended up later that year getting everything that I needed, but it was a month too late for the deadline for the application for the tryout. Mm-hmm. And so I took a year off of a circus, I mean a, a year off after I graduated and I worked for circus harmony as a teacher. Uh, I trained, I worked in a snack bar. I just spent all of my time at circus harmony. Mm-hmm. And I just start to breathe, think, feel circus. And then when I did the tryout, I completely crushed it. And it was just, just such an amazing feeling because everything that I worked for in that one year was way more than I did my entire 15 years or was it 13 years before that 
in circus because I had a goal in mind was to leave St. Louis and go to Montreal. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And during that year off, you said you spent most of your time at the Circus Harmony. And was it also a strategy to kind of leave your environment and your neighborhood behind to say, I want to spend the least amount of time there because I want to focus on that exit that I see for myself? Exactly. That's the biggest reason. Because for me, you know, it was always, I do circus, I go to school, I do circus, I go back and sleep. But <clears throat> I'm like, you know, if I don't get in trouble if I'm not around those people. I don't mm -hmm. put myself in situations if I'm not standing on the, on the corner in those neighborhoods <clears throat> at one o'clock in the morning. So I said, if I go to circus, excuse me, if I go to circus at nine o'clock in the morning, I can find something to do. I work on juggling, stretching mm -hmm. or whatever. I just have to get better. I have to have a recreate my thought process. It can't be, oh, circus is what I want to do, but I'm also a part of this neighborhood, so I have to spend time here. I had to just like something in my mind had to switch to where I said, I am in control of my life. I don't have to follow into my uncle's footsteps, my brother's footsteps, or any guy in the neighborhood's footsteps. And all my views changed and things like that. And so I was conscious of, you know, the more time I spend in circus, the less time I get in trouble spending time in the neighborhood and whatnot. And what was it an encouraging thing to realize like, oh, the least amount of time I spend there, the better my life becomes, the better I start to feel. So I, I bet you're, you realize like, oh, there is a momentum here. I don't want to lose it. I just keep on going. Exactly. You know, I got into less trouble. Uh, I was just so much happier. You know, there's so much negativity that comes with being in the hood and the, in the gang and all of these different things that you're always like worried about something, that something can happen. And when I went to circus, I'm like, man, like why my entire life, I, I thought that, you know, hearing gunshots was okay. Not having a father is normal. And I'll just normalize so many negative things, so much crazy behavior that I just said, you know, when I stepped outside of that and I was experiencing something different with circus, it was like, it was a breath of fresh air. I was like, oh my goodness, like this is what it feels like to live. Mm -hmm. And little did I know that I would live even more uh, when I got to Montreal and then after Montreal, even more. So it was like so difficult for me as a kid to say, my mentor asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, we give the generic answers, football player, basketball player, whatever, rapper. Mm -hmm. But you don't really see that because in the hood, it's always a blessing to see age of 18. And then it's 21. And then it's 25. And then it's 30. A lot of people don't see that. A lot of friends of mine that I mm -hmm. went to school with, they, don't, they didn't see those ages. And so for me, it's like I was like unable to see past a certain point in my life. And now... I see myself as an 80 year old man doing all these amazing things throughout my life. And like, that's the freedom that circus gave me. That's It's amazing. So, so you think, what do you think would have happened if you wouldn't have joined the circus? So I say this all the time, like, uh, you know, obviously we can't predict the future or whatever, but my actions were leading to me either being locked up or dead. And if those two weren't the thing, it would probably be, I would be in St. Louis, you know, probably selling drugs or 
could be doing drugs or whatever, because it's so easy to get sucked into that lifestyle. So much negativity, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a while you get comfortable in that lifestyle. You get comfortable with the gunshots. You get comfortable with seeing drugs. You get comfortable seeing people die because that's what we deal with mm-hmm. until I stepped outside of my comfort zone. I was very uncomfortable in Montreal. It's a new country, new language, new people, a new reason that I was living somewhere. Yeah. So I was very uncomfortable. But after a while, you get comfortable. That's your new normal. Yeah. And so people, you know, I don't go outside of my comfort zone. People say that a lot, but you must. You must go outside your comfort zone to get comfortable in order to grow. Mm-hmm. We don't get, we don't grow by staying what we know. We don't work on the things we're good at. We work on the things that we're bad at because that's how we grow and expand this thing called life that we, mm-hmm. that we're living. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I remember when, when you say you actually crushed the, the audition, but it's true because I remember that I was asking one of the coach, how, how was the audition process? And she said, Oh, you know, you know how Melvin is good. And I was like, yeah, I said, there is this new kid that audition. He come from the same circus school. He's incredible. Like and <laughs> everyone was saying like, yeah, there is this new guy, like come from the same place as Melvin. He's so incredible. And I was just like, Oh really? And I remember the, then the first day we saw you at school and we started to see you tumbling and everyone was like, what? Like, what is this guy going to learn here? Like, he's already so, <laughs> so good. It's crazy. And about you, you say you, you weren't comfortable. I remember what it was, I think within the first three months, like we were downtown with you, Melvin, and a couple of other friends. And I remember you saying, I will remember all my life. We could, I said, how you find, how do you find Montreal? And you said, it's so nice here. I So far, I didn't hear any gunshot. And I remember wh- when you said that, I felt so like, oh my God, like that's like this guy must have had such a tough life to, to think that now. Like I was thinking like, oh shit, like this guy, yeah, he, he's a fighter. That's for sure. It's amazing. Yeah, man. I just recently, a lot of the memories from like Session Decoy and just the initiation party, all of these different yeah. things. I'm just like, they're popping up on my timeline. And like, obviously my life is in such a different place right now, but I'm like, man, what great times, great friends, great memories I have in Montreal. And it was just so crazy. Like Montreal for me was the first time, you know, I told you that, like, I, I, I don't hear gunshots. It was the first time that I left the place left the bar, left the club or something super late. And I see a police car and I just like tense up, like, okay, what's going to happen. And the cops just ride right past. They don't look, they don't stop. I'm just like, (laughs) this this is actually pretty good. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like I I felt good because I didn't have to worry about just nonsense, but it was always me making up these these moments in my head, like, you know, I'm like out in the, out somewhere. I'm just like, yeah, if this person do something to me, yeah, it's going to go. I'm like, blah, 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 because I'm just, I'm ready or whatever. Mm-hmm. I had to create these moments in my head because that's, that's how I was growing up. Mm-hmm. That's what I had to do to protect myself. Mm-hmm. But going to Montreal was such an amazing place because I'm just like, man, it gave me a, a really different view on life. Like I don't have to be that guy from St. Louis anymore because St. Louis is one thing, but 
Montreal, everyone's not like that. Then I go to Europe and with Seven Fingers, things are so amazing. And uh, all of these different places, I'm just like, this is what life is. And you start, so you started, you do circus school, you're crushing it and you start working. And then at that time you're full on professional, I mean, extremely successful professional circus artists. You work with Seven Finger, with Sergio Soleil, you travel the world. And what does your family think at that point? Because it's like another, so, it's, it's not, <clears throat> no longer just like a side training. Like now you're full on, you're, you, you're like a star. You're traveling, you're seeing all these places, meeting all these people. And what does that mean for your family? So like I said, my family wasn't super supportive when I was doing the circus program in St. Louis. But like my family was biggest motivators, you know, when I left St. Louis, it's like, oh man, he left to go to circus college in, in, in Canada. Uh, he's traveling the world and whatnot. Uh, I didn't talk to them as much. I would talk to them occasionally and let them know where I was and things like that. But it wasn't like constant updates of what I'm doing, how things are and all of these different things. Uh, <clears throat> it was just, I knew they were proud of me. And we didn't have to say a, a bunch of words to show that mm -hmm. like we crack jokes on each other and whatnot. And, you know, uh, I see like my sisters or whether I post a picture to my brother, you know, they, I'm proud of you. My big brother goes, man, you inspired me. Uh, you're, you're, you're like my big brother and things like that. He calls me from prison all the time and tells me that. And so that's how I know that they're proud of me not by saying like, I love you and we giving hugs and kumbaya and whatnot, because mm -hmm. that's not how we express love to each other. Mm -hmm. And so they were super supportive, very happy for me. I think it motivated them to do a bit better in their lives as well. Mm -hmm. You know, my niece was incredible little girl. She, um, she is incredible. Well, was a credible little girl. Now she's 21 <laughs> or whatever, but she calls me Unky and she talks about how, I motivate her to be better and do all of these amazing things. And, and that is a good feeling for me because I didn't have that uncle or that aunt when I was a young kid to look up to and want to aspire to be. And now that I'm doing that for not only my family, but for so many people around the world, you know? Yeah. Did you go back home often when you started working and touring? Throughout, even when I was in Montreal. I would go back uh, when I could and I would teach, teach the mm -hmm. younger guys at the Circus Harmony and um, I would teach them and just always given everything that I learned in Montreal on the road and I would give it back to Circus Harmony. That's a way of paying it forward because there is a new, new generation of circus artists and as our job is also to live and experience life and whatnot, but it's also our job to pass it on And I've done that since the very beginning of my circus career. Before going to Montreal, I was teaching the younger kids. When I went to Montreal, always in contact with Jessica, giving her uh, things that I've learned and whatnot. Because after me, from Circus Harmony, there was Keaton. There, were Kel mm -hmm. there was Kellen. Now there's Kyron, Oliver, Isabella. There's just so many students uh, that came through the school mm -hmm. after uh, Mel and I left and Ronaldo and whatnot. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you really paved the way for the whole exactly. new generation. Mm -hmm. Our partner in this episode is Circus Talk, the online carrier marketplace for circus and the performing arts. Circus Talk 
is the new thing that is great for our international circus community. It is an amazing information resource, bringing news, events, and industry trends to us, professionals working in the field. What also makes Circus Talks amazing is their first online casting platform that connects talents and talent seekers in circus and performing arts. If you're a talent seeker, you can finally post jobs and auditions in a professional and transparent way, instead of using social media accounts. There are already over 28,000 artists' profiles on Circus Talk that talent seekers can search while talents can find jobs and apply to them via the Circus Talk platform. You can get your first month free on both Circus Talk Talent and Talent Seeker Pro membership by using the promo code TAPIROUGE in one word. So go to circustalk.com, sign up to Pro and use the code TAPIROUGE to find your spotlight with our partner, Circus Talk. All right, guys, a little side story now. Back in 2014, I hurt my back training backstage before a show. The pain was so intense, I couldn't put my socks on, sit for more than two minutes, and obviously, it took me out of the show for quite some time. I followed a strict core rehabilitation program, and after six weeks, I got back on stage. But I kept having recurring pain. So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training, and pain science. I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back. The more I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweak some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way, instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists, and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring, and asked them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics, and pain science. It is approved by doctors, physios, and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now, let's get back to the show. And I think that's something you do, I've seen you doing always is to just give back. Like you, I feel you've yeah. always been super aware of what you're doing and wanted to bring the people with you and to give opportunities and to show that there is other ways and that to empower people. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's the goal. That's what one should do, you know, mm -hmm. because like I told you, I didn't have 
I never knew anything about circus. So for me, circus was never an option until it became an option. So that was another avenue that I can take. And then that avenue opened up other avenues for me. So I'm here and I go back to St. Louis. I go to prisons and speak to people, to inmates mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I tell them like, yo, it's so much more to life than aspiring to be just a football player, a basketball player, or a rapper. You don't have to be what the blueprint has set forth for you. You can be so much more than that. You just have to want to believe. And there's people out there that's going to guide you, but you have to be willing to accept those people. Mm. And what would you say? Like, what are the, what are the things that you think people can do to, as you say, finding a new way or if they are living in, in an environment that's not supporting their fulfillment, what are the advice that you can give? So, so it's very simple, actually, because my neighborhood is just like every neighborhood in America, across the world, where like gangs and poverty are, are um, very popular. There's one way of doing things. All you have to do is do the opposite. When your friends go and stand on the street and want to be cool and put on certain colors and rep a certain uh, block, don't do that. The less time you spend in that environment, the better it is for you. Like we value the wrong things. I thought it was so cool when I was a kid, like, oh, St. Louis is the murder capital of the world and whatnot. A city where, you know, population is 300, 400,000 and we are ranking above Chicago and New York and, and Detroit and, and murders and things like that. Like that was something that, we viewed as, oh man, that's cool. I'm, I'm good. I'm happy to be from St. Louis. Our views were so backwards, so twisted. And once you let go of what you think is right, then you can start to change because we always think we know everything. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell me nothing. I, I knew it all. I, I could do it all and whatnot. And so I said, you know what? I can learn. I'm, I'm a sponge. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's no, there's, there's not a limit to what I can soak up. Uh, mm-hmm. The potential is there. I just have to be willing to open my ears and close my mouth. Be ready. Be open to learn and get out. Open to the, learn. You're, you're going to be uncomfortable. And if you're uncomfortable, it's a good sign. It's a sign you're actually learning something. You're actually learning something. You're, you open yourself up for growth. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm, ah, that's amazing. And yeah. the day, I mean, the evening you did your first show with Sergio Soleil. How did you feel? Oh my goodness. I think that journey started for me when I went back to Montreal because uh, I was actually huh, such a crazy, crazy, crazy like year that was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in the summer with Flip Fra- uh, Fabrique mm-hmm. in Quebec and we were doing that show and it was She's just another right French Canadian circus company. Yeah. And so right before that, I finished my three years with uh, Cuisine and Confessions. Seven I had a little bit show. of time, Seven Finger Show, a little bit of time off, did like a few halftime shows and whatnot. And then in the summer, did a flip. And then after that, I got the contract for Cirque du Soleil saying that I was going to be with Lucia. So ecstatic. I'm like, this is actually like the dream has come true. I worked for three amazing companies. Mm-hmm. And the third one being the one that I, that I always wanted to work for. 
I just remembered all of the stuff happening, whatever. Then I think it was late November. I go to Montreal Mm -hmm. and now I'm back in Montreal where it all started, but I'm not on Jai and whatever, <laughs> Papino. I'm not. So in... like the the like kind of the bad, not the bad neighborhood, but like kind of the dirty streets where all the students from circus school live, yeah. where we where we all lived and we were studying there. Yeah, I'm not in Saint Michel on Legend. I am at the Cirque du Soleil uh, headquarters. I'm at the Cirque du Soleil headquarters, and um, I'm there. I'm just like, man, this is this is starting. This is this is cool. And I remember the first day we go there, we like go around and we just get like all the makeup and stuff done. I'm like, oh, this is a lot. Then we start the training, <laughs> start, started to kill the training. Then we're like pretending we had a treadmill and all of these things. I'm just like, I am so freaking excited. Then the first city we go to was LA. Mm-hmm. I'm like, good city to get start. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good city to start. I get there with like a nice little. Uh, nice place. I'm just like, this is going to be sick. Do I make up the first show? I don't even know what happened. I don't know if I missed my, I was doing, I was replacing Devin, Devin Henderson, mm-hmm. another idol of mine. Good dude. And, and you were uh, doing the hoop diving act. Hoop diving and Chinese pole. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I just kept crushing it in training, crushing it in training. And then um, my first show, I think I was supposed to do like something in three hoops so much adrenaline, so much uh, <laughs> excitement. I was just going over the hoop, over the hoop. First time, miss. Second time, miss. Third time, get the crowd coming. Oh, he got this. Miss. I'm like, ah. <laughs> but being the fourth hoop come, I have the last jump of the uh, act, go out, crush it, boom. I'm like. The crowd. Crowd was amazing. Show yeah. was amazing crew amazing it was just like man i think that i was on that adrenaline for the entire night and then it just became routine and time and time 10 show weeks eight show weeks it was just a lot yeah so i'm like yeah this is cool (laughs) this is cool and now at this time you're you're like full-on seriously acrobat you're there you're like reached kind of the sort of a pinnacle in like that trajectory that you set for yourself Mm-hmm. It was the, uh, it was like, man, I'm crushing these milestones. I'm crushing these dreams. And I said, I want to get into the circus school. I did that. I want to get into Cirque du Soleil. I did that. And now I'm living it. And then there was a point where I'm just like going this, I'm too comfortable. Mm-hmm. I got too comfortable. And I'm just like, oh, this is too routine. I'm not learning anything. Like I need something to I need something to do. And obviously we can go and train before the show and do all of these different things, but I didn't find enjoyment in doing new tricks. Mm-hmm. I was doing the hardest tricks of the act. I was replacing Devin who had a really demanding role. Yeah. So I was doing Devin everything that I needed to do. For sure. Incredible. And so I was doing everything that he was doing in the show and I was doing it to perfection. Mm-hmm. I have like maybe four or five cities where I don't miss a trick or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it was just like easy. And I like worked so hard prior to getting Cirque du Soleil for that to be possible. So I'm just like, I don't have any fulfillment anymore. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Let me, I'm gonna start writing. So I mm-hmm. started doing poetry. 
then I started writing my book. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was good for me. Then I got into some real estate investing. That was good for me. And then it was 2019, we're in Orlando. And the first week, the coach comes to us and goes, hey, WWE wants to do an exchange with you, uh, with, uh, with us. Would you guys be willing to go to their headquarters and train a day as a wrestler? Then they will come here and train the day as an artist, an acrobat. I mean, a circus away artist. I said, heck yeah. Been a huge fan of wrestling my entire life. Let's do this. And so we only had five weeks or six weeks in Orlando. First week didn't happen, obviously, because we're busy. Yeah, Second week didn't happen. Yeah. Third week, I'm like, hey, Emmy, when are we doing that exchange? He's like, oh, they haven't got back to us. Third week, nothing. Fourth week, fifth and final week. He goes, hey, guys, we're going to do it on Monday. That's our day off. I said, mm. cool. Sunday night, I didn't go out. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I just went home, got some nice food, played some video games, fell asleep. And we got there at like 9.30. I'm there like 8.40, mm-hmm. super pumped. <laughs> and I got into the wrestling ring. I, first, I walk in and I just see like WrestleMania 30 or 31 playing on the screen. I'm not mm-hmm. actually sure. And then one of the my idols walk in, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. He walks in. I'm just like, yo, Duncan, is that? He goes, yep. I'm like, that's crazy. That's <laughs> insane. <laughs> And so I remember when I walked into that room, I think it was Sunday night, I said, this is the change that I need. I'm going to go into this thing trying to get a job. And um, I went in and I started flipping off the ropes, all of us acrobats, flipping off mm-hmm. the ropes and whatnot. And I remember I did a vag. I did a vag. Did a wave. And, oh. Yeah. I did it in the ring. Someone threw a punch and I did like a little wave under the punch. Uh, I think Mick threw the punch. And um, Scotty Tuhati, Mm-hmm. Another uh, legend, he goes, hey, kid, do that again. And he had another guy watch. And then I did it, and it was like, oh, my goodness, and whatever. And in my head, that's when the bell started running. Uh, I said, like, okay, I can, there's an interest. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yep. And so the we did all of that. We did our promos and whatnot. And they came to Cirque du Soleil on Tuesday. And as we were teaching them acrobatics and juggling all of these different things, I go to the head coach, Matt Bloom. I said, hey. How does one get involved into this? He said, well, we have a tryout uh, next week. Talk to your people and, and get it clear. Then I will, I will invite you. I'm like, okay, next week, this is Tuesday. Sunday is our last show. Tear down transfer. I had a week off. Amazing how that worked out. And so I'm like, Oh, this is going to be cool. So I said, I, he gave me his number. I sent him a message the next morning saying, hey, everything is cleared. I could be able to make the tryout and whatnot. He said, cool. Uh, shoot me your email, then I'm going to have people send you stuff. Within like 10 minutes, I got an email. My car, my rental was um, uh, booked. My hotel was booked. My flight was booked and everything to Orlando <laughs> on Tuesday. They were excited. They were like, oh, yeah, we're excited that these guys coming yeah. for the trial. And it was insane because people prepare just like the tryouts for Montreal. Mm-hmm. There's no last minute thing. You got to send the application in, application yeah. get accepted and they bring you in. For me, it happened so quick and like I was going back to St. Louis on Sunday night then Monday morning I was with my daughter and then Tuesday I was flying back to Orlando. Crazy. And I did the tryout, didn't know what to expect from the trial so I started like looking up and researching what to expect from the trial and WWE and all of these mm-hmm. different things and I get there 
And when I tell you, it was like Montreal all over again. Completely uh, crushed it. Had all of the acrobatics and whatnot. People were like this. Oh my goodness! Just like looking around. Exact same thing happened in Montreal. And then um, the guy that got me the trial, he comes to me in the beginning. He says, "Go kill it. Don't embarrass me out there." I said, "I got you." <laughs> and then he was having me like go go up against guys and drills and all of these different things. And then basically had to cut a promo. And I just talked about me and my life and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The trial was like three or four days. Same thing like Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it, was, it was two days actually. But the last day, the uh, talent scout comes to me. He go, he pulls me aside. He goes, hey, to let you know that we love your story. You're a stud athlete. We want to bring you in. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, like burning sensation in my chest. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> And he said, we'll follow up with you and we'll talk about the logistics and whatnot, but we want to have you. I'm like, this is so dope. And so uh, it was incredible because uh, I go, I finished that. I go back to St. Louis and then I go to New York mm-hmm. course, to get back with Lucia. Yeah. And I said, you know what? They said they want me. I'm going to do everything I can. So when I get there, that I'm much better than what they saw when they uh, first saw me. Yeah. And so I started looking for wrestling schools, every city that I went to in Lucia, like wrestling schools. So I started training on Mondays, our day off, Saturdays, sometimes Sundays. I was training in every city, New York, Connecticut. Um, wait, 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 wait. So, so you are like, go, you go back to Lucia, you're still doing 10 shows a week, but you're thinking when I'm going to show up, to my first day on WWE, I'm going to be twice as better than what they saw at yeah. the trial. So I'm going to train yeah. on every single of my day off Yep. when you're with Cirque. Yeah. And you know how demanded Cirque is. Eight yeah. to 10 shows a week. Crazy. And so like it, it was times where, you know, I find a school in Connecticut. I said, hey, I'm only here for Cirque du Soleil. Can I pay you for private classes? So I would go before like if it's a one show day, easy. I go and train from like two to four and then I'll mm-hmm. head to uh, the uh, Chapiteau and whatnot. We were in Canada. I found a guy in Ottawa, not Ottawa, a guy in uh, Vancouver and I found mm-hmm. a guy in Calgary and mm-hmm. we were training. I mean, in Calgary, it was brutal because I was training before the matinees. I was training like before the uh, Sunday brunch. Oh I would go God. at like eight o'clock Early in the, in the morning. morning. Yeah, train from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m and then go straight to Lucia, eat the food, do the makeup, and then do two shows. Crazy. You that's how motivated so I was. tired, yeah. That's, that's how I'm like, this is, this is what you have to do if you want to be great. And so I was doing that. And then, you know, before all of that, you know, they told me they wanted to bring me in. They didn't tell me when. So when I contacted them, I said, hey, you know, my contract is finishing in December. Uh, let me know when you guys want to bring me in. Because if you're not, I'm going to renew my contract. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, if you have another contract, take that. We're just struggling, or not struggling, but like busy right now with bringing people in and whatnot. I said, okay, cool. So I re-signed like six extra months for Cirque du Soleil. Okay. And we we're going to go to Europe. And so I sent the video to the coach, Matt Bloom, mm-hmm. in like October, or a little bit before October. I was in Calgary of me training wrestling. I was like, did a mm-hmm. little montage. Send it to him. And I said, hey, can you give me any notes on this? Uh, let you know I'm really working hard at this. Uh, excited and thankful for the opportunity that you guys gave me. Mm-hmm. Give that, get sent him that through text message. 20 minutes later, I get an email saying, hey, Sydney, just got the video that you sent my bloom. Let you know we're still very much interested in bringing you in. How about a start date of July? 
I said, oh. perfect. So I'm like, cool, this is great. I'm starting July 2020. So perfect. Told uh, the tour uh, that I'm like, hey, I'm only going to resign six months. So I'll finish in July. They said, perfect. And then I did my background check. They flew me to Orlando, do blood work, all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And then got my contract in the mail, like a thick contract, like that thick. <laughs> like I'm <Bible>. like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh. So I like got the contract, signed everything. And it said, start in January. I said, whoa, you guys told me July. Um, now the contract says January. They said, well, you can come in January, April, or July. And so I really thought about it. I said, hmm. I can either go to Europe and be away from my daughter for six months, mm-hmm. or I can go to Orlando and bring my daughter with me for the beginning of the uh, year. Yeah. And I went to Gracie. I said, Hey, I have this new contract is much better for me. Would you mind if I actually did my last show in December? And she said, just write up a letter and it'd be fine. Did all the professional way. Gracie was, was cool. the artistic director of Lucia. Yeah. And, uh, did all of that. I finished my last show the same day. I think it was December 28th or 29th, one of those. December 29th, 2019, first and last show uh, of Lucia, two years apart. So you finished the same day you started. I started two years after. And uh, got to Orlando in January. Started, uh, got there January 3rd. My daughter was with me. January 15th, I started. So I like, brought my daughter with me on the 3rd, moved all of my stuff into my apartment, shopping and whatnot took my daughter to disney had daddy daughter time different parts (laughs) it was just incredible i took her back on the 10th or the 12th Mm -hmm. came back to orlando prepared myself first day of uh wwe as a trainee and whatnot and it was just incredible and then obviously the world shut down in march (laughs) yes (laughs) and it's just such a blessing because if i didn't you know go there in january and like say January is better than July, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Yeah. And so you started and it's like this new chapter of your life starts, like you got into the training program and then now like the same way that you did with Circus, you started in the training program in Montreal, you ended up in Cirque du Soleil being the star acrobat of the show. Now you're like a full on wrestler. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. That's amazing. It's it, it's so crazy how effortlessly the transition was. Yeah. But, you know, people can say, hey, you haven't been training for a long time. But in my eyes, I like to think, like, I've been training for this role for 16 years. Yeah. Everything that I learned at Circuit helped me prepare and get this spot in WWE. And like you said, just like ENC, you know, there's three years training. I had a three-year contract. And uh, at the at the uh, WWE, and you know the first year, you know, it's just basically training to learn the ropes and learn how mm-hmm. to do things and whatnot. Then the pandemic shut down. I mean, the pandemic happened, so we stopped training. We yeah. was basically at a halt. But mm-hmm. I said, I'm not, I'm not able to take all of this time off because I'm so new at this. I haven't put enough time into this to be able to take six months off because of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So you know, I started talking to people. I'm like, Hey, I know we're not supposed to be doing this, but can you train me on the side and whatnot? So I was training while everyone else were on break. We're on break. Yeah. Basically everyone was partying and doing parties every night. <laughs> when when everyone like, was watching Tiger Kings, you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, how do I get better? And so I was training with people that's been doing it for like 16, 20 years. And 
when we got back to training, I was so far ahead of everyone in my class that I started getting all these opportunities. And that's how Reggie was created because I was just thrown into the fire and I took it and just like, let's go. And I just ran with it Mm -hmm. and constantly trying to make myself better. And how is it compared to a Cirque du Soleil training, the training uh, to become a wrestler? Um, So I was, someone just asked me what was more difficult, wrestling or uh, a circus artist. I think the circus training in school helped me so much to do all of the training in Mm -hmm. uh, WWE. Mm -hmm. Like I was never big on lifting weights. Now I lift a lot of weights Mm -hmm. because I was an acrobat. So I did like do heavy weights and now I do a lot of weights and I like love going to the gym and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, you know, everything that I did in circus was way more difficult. You know, I was not comfortable acting and doing like all of these classes and whatnot Mm -hmm. until I went to Montreal. So doing it here, it's actually a lot easier for me because I have 16 years of performing uh, experience and that's helping me so much in this uh, field. Yeah. And so you were like circus students and circus artist, then circus star, then WWE trainee, WWE star. And now what else do you want from this life, man? So I... Superstar for sure. You know, I was a champion already in WWE. I was 24-7 champion for 112 days. That was the longest. I think mm-hmm. it's been broken right now. But uh, I've had that title for a long time, changed it, and did a lot of cool, amazing things for sure. Uh, the next step is to do more. I'm in the development of a new character right now. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll keep it a secret because I don't yes. know how uh, <laughs> I'm excited for it for sure. So that's the next step for that. Uh, but also I'm doing a lot of acting uh, classes and I want to get into some acting. I'm doing writing. I'm writing a, I have three books that I've written already. I'm mm-hmm. working on getting them published, two children's books, and then one autobiography that's about my life. Nice. And um, I also am writing a superhero TV show slash movie. Okay. And it's circus related. It's legit my life, my story, mm. but you know, I find the circus and the circus is what like have the power. So it's like a whole different universe of circus powers. Mm. It's uh circus related because there hasn't been a really true circus superhero, not Robin or not uh nightcrawl, all these people, mm-hmm. but someone like me, like you that has done circus for all of these years who know, who knows really about the circus, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, uh, it's, I'm super excited about it. No, it's it, with what you say, you, you remind me of, uh, of Dwayne Johnson a little bit, you know, going from wrestling mm-hmm. to Hollywood. Yeah. Like that's, you know, yeah. it's like you're going on a similar path. Um, I'm excited, man. You know, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. That's for sure. Dude, I have one last question for you before we finish. Yeah. If, Tomorrow, aliens would land on Earth. What would be the first thing? The first thing you would tell them to do? Oh man! <laughs> um, honestly, man, I would say this world has so much to offer, and I don't know how long you're going to be here, but I know for a fact that you are going to have lots of great food 
see lots of entertainment <laughs> and it's going to be a roller coaster. I know that's not one thing, but that was uh, actually a pretty hard question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just experienced so much in life right now that I look through my eyes right now. I just see the world so differently. And yes, there's so many negative things or whatever, but everything is only negative. If you choose to look at it that way, mm-hmm. I could have looked at the world so negative, so negative when I was younger because of what I saw, mm-hmm. but it's so much more beyond that. And the light is always at the end of the tunnel. You just can't be afraid to walk that tunnel. Yeah. I mean, that's the, like, that's the per- most perfect way to end this episode. It's amazing. Sweet. Man, thank you so much for coming and giving a bit of your time. And um, I'll be obviously checking you out on the show. And I'm really looking forward to see the books coming out. Sweet, my man. I appreciate you having me. It was really, really nice to catch up. And see yeah, your it was awesome. So please take care and uh, see you soon, brother. For sure, man. Peace. If you guys were searching for a new motivation, I think that Sydney's story will do. I have been speaking about him and his story many times to many people and for many years. He had so many obstacles ahead of him, but he still made it all the way to the top and beyond. I also love so much that he's always been giving back since the very beginning of his success. It doesn't matter how much you have. What matters is how much you share. If you guys like this episode, please give it a good rating and review. Share the podcast on your socials with your friends, your families. Please spread the word. It really helps Tapirouge growing. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CircusTalk.com, or wherever you're getting your podcasts. All right, my friends, that's it for today. So take it easy, enjoy the holidays, and if you're working, having a short night, well, that's just the way it is working in the entertainment industry, right? I send you some power, rock the house. And until next week, as we say in the circus, see you down the road. <laughs>